So I was like, what can I do where I could still use my tax background to do something a little different, right? And I actually came across financial planning from my husband because he was getting his MBA at the time. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Where Accountants Go, the Accounting Careers Podcast. I'm Mark Goldman, a CPA and your host for the show. Well, today we have another guest that was suggested by you, our listeners. And once I saw her background, I was definitely intrigued and I had to see if we could get her on the show. Anjali Jarawala joined us for today's program. And we obviously are going to talk about her initial accounting career and the different path she took later on, that of financial planning. But there's a good amount of just good, honest business coaching content in this interview as well. You're going to hear us touch on the value of a niche, some brutal honesty about how there really are some struggles when you're building a business, and then how sometimes, frankly, it's necessary to put in some blood, sweat, and tears. And that's a quote from her. She is both a CPA and a CFP, by the way, so she certainly has her credentials. But nonetheless, there's certainly some hard work that's necessary when you're first launching a business. This interview really does have a lot of value packed into about 35 minutes. It's one of our shorter ones. If you do enjoy and learn something from this episode with Anjali, please share it out on social media. We love it when we get new listeners. It helps other people find us and then they can learn a little something as well. If you do have the time, just one or two minutes, please share it out on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, wherever you are. We appreciate it. Well, with that, let's go ahead and get started. Here's our interview with Anjali Jarawala. Well, hello, Anjali. Welcome to the show. Hi, Mark. Thanks for having me. No problem. Well, for the audience, we have a guest on the show today that was once again suggested by one of our listeners. And and honestly, I just love it when that happens. Anjali Jarawala is joining us, and she's a CPA as well as a CFP, a Certified Financial Planner. And as you would guess, of course, she works in the financial planning area now, But her initial start was along more typical accounting lines, which we're going to talk about in just a minute, of course. What intrigued me in addition to all that, though, was that she's putting herself out there in the podcast world, hosting her own show, and she seems to be busy enough as it is. So I think there's going to be, you know, something in here for everybody. This should be a great story. Well, Anjali, we definitely want to get into all the exciting stuff that you do now in your own company, but it's important that the audience understands how you got to where you are. So let's start at the beginning. What caused you to decide to consider accounting as a possible career choice in the first place? Yeah. So it's not like I was a child and I was like, I want to be an accountant when I grow up. right? (laughs) But I kind of always knew when I was younger that I I wanted to kind of have my own business. It was just something that has always interested me. So I went to University of Illinois in Urbana-Champaign. That's where I did my undergrad. And that's where I did my master's in taxation as well. And so when I started at U of I, I was in the College of Business because I've always kind of had that inkling for the business side of things. But I was also doing pre-med at the time because I'm Indian. So, you know, Indians, we only have like a few career options that are given to us. We can be a physician, an engineer, or an attorney. And so I started off pre-med, but also business. And I just realized that I didn't have that 
passion for medicine and I didn't want to become a doctor if it wasn't something that I was like really interested in. So I decided to just fully pursue kind of a business undergrad. And because I was going to U of I, I picked accounting because, you know, U of I has one of the top accounting programs in the nation. So that's where I kind of started accounting and did my undergrad and my MST there and then got an offer with PwC. So that's where I started my accounting career. Wonderful. Okay. Okay. Just for the record, you're not the first pre-med person that we've had on the show. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like a ra- it seems somewhat random, right? You're like, oh, I'm going to go pre-med and like, nope, I'm going to go accounting. So <laughs> that's good to know. <laughs> Yeah, we, we've had a fair share of pre-med and then also engineering, interestingly oh, enough. Oh, interesting. Yeah. yeah, I don't know why, but for some reason, yeah, that's how it works. So did you sort of go the typical internship route then with PwC? Is that how that works? I did, yeah. So I actually interned with both PwC and Deloitte. So I did like a summer and then a winter internship. And I think everyone who like works at the one of the big fours, you know, especially like at U of I, like the big four heavily recruit there. So you get a feel for all four of them, right? So, you know, I also got an offer with KPMG as well. So I kind of like doing the internships was really helpful because you get a feel for the firm culture. And I think that is so important in terms of like where you end up. And I just felt like PwC was more of a fit for me in terms of the culture. And the other thing was that my PwC internship was in tax and my Deloitte internship was in audit. And I just liked tax so much more than audit. So that helped me make my decision to like kind of go into tax and get the MST instead of doing like the MSA um, at U of I. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And thank you. I wanted to ask you about that because I talked to many student groups and and that question comes up, audit or tax and that kind of thing. What was it that attracted you to tax or do you remember back then what you know, sort um, of appealed I to you? I actually really, yeah. So like I wasn't like a hundred percent sure at the time I was leaning towards tax and a lot of us CPAs, as you know, we do get some sort of master's just to meet the hours requirement to sit for the exam. So the number of students who do the MST is really, really small because that one is supposed to be a lot tougher. But I did the MST because a lot of the professors said that if you do that one, you'll be a little bit better prepared to sit for the CPA exam. So I was like, okay, fine. And I actually really enjoyed the tax classes, to be honest. I really enjoyed it. That I don't know what specifically it was, but I felt like you can kind of understand it in a really deep technical way. And I think just because I'm a really technical person, like that just resonated with me. And for some reason, it just audit just never clicked. I also didn't, I didn't love the concept of not being in one place where I had to would keep having to go to various client sites and stuff as an auditor. And that's also just from like kind of a lifestyle personality perspective. I just didn't, that also didn't appeal to me. So I like tax in general in terms of like the focus and I had more interest on that side. And then I think I also liked that I would mainly be in the office if I was going to travel. It would just be kind of local to the clients around Chicago. And I was pretty lucky at my, you know, the six years I was at PwC that I had a lot of clients that were downtown. So it was pretty easy to just like walk down the street to go meet them whenever we needed to. Okay. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. Actually, I liked tax better in my early career as well. And it was exactly because I didn't want to travel. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, 
I like dealing with people too and helping them. So yeah, there's definitely a customer service. Yeah, that's a good thing. That's the other thing, right? Is like when people see the auditor, they're like, oh no. But when they see your, the tax professional, they're like, oh hi, how are you? Right. So I think it's just like, like a the role is so different in terms of the hat you're wearing that you know clients perceive you differently as well. And I was like, I'd rather they be happy to see me than like irritated to see me more or less. <laughs> So you were at PwC for over six years, and obviously you're doing something a little different now. How do you feel those initial six years helped you get a good foundation? What did you learn during that time? How did you develop as a professional? What do you think in that area? Yeah, I think being at one of the big four is such a great place to start your career. And maybe I'm just biased because that's what I did. But there's so many things I learned. Uh, So you learn how to deal with a lot of different types of people, right? Because you don't necessarily get to pick who's on your team, who you're going to work with. You know, your client base can be very different as well. So that was one aspect that I learned. The other thing was I learned how to manage people, right? Uh, Because when I left, I was a second year manager. So I was managing pretty large teams at any given point in time. So just to be able to kind of manage all the various people and how to like do it in a way that people enjoy working with you. Because I think anyone who is kind of at the big four for that long or even longer knows it's so key to like have people who like you who are on your side. Because at that point, I can kind of pick my team members. So I know I can pick the people that I really like working with and they really like working with me. So they're not saying like, no, especially if we're on certain projects that are not as ideal. I was in Salt State Local Tax. So you know, if we're talking about a client base where we're doing compliance, right, and we're doing like 500 plus state returns for busy season, like that's not that fun. <laughs> but, you know, if you get like the right team in place, it helps you get through it. And it's also like a really competitive environment. So I think that's good and bad. It's good in that it really forces you to like be the best version of yourself because you have to do that in order to move up the chain. And if you can't move up and get promoted, you know, you're, you don't have a very long career there. The downside is that sometimes I think the, the competitiveness gets to be too much, right? It sometimes will foster an environment that I don't think is that healthy. So it's really important. Like it was important for me to really try to take a step back once in a while and try to create healthy boundaries, which sometimes is really hard to do when you're working like 80 hours a week. But that was something that I tried to to focus on when it would get to be too much. And I'll say that the hardest transition I had at PwC was from senior to manager. Associate to senior was pretty easy. Like I think that one is a little easier. Manager was really hard. And it's because I think once you're manager, you're kind of the last high level or detailed review in the chain because the director will look at it, but you know, they're just kind of going to skim it. And then the partner is just kind of signing off on the return. So that was a lot of pressure that I felt, right, in terms of just making sure like nothing would get missed because I think there was like two times that, and it was because I was reviewing a tax return at like midnight and it was like the Wisconsin return. So it's just not like one of the easy states and I like missed something. And it's just because I was really tired. And then the director was looking at it and he was like, why does this return look incorrect? And I felt terrible. And I remember him like getting pretty upset at me because there's 
very little room for error when you're like at that level at a company like PwC. And so you just learn to become very detail oriented, but you also have to be very big picture, high level, right? Because a manager, you also have to like start learning how to sell. You're the one that has to start identifying opportunities, bringing it to the team saying like, let's pursue this, this, and this. So it was just a lot of different hats and a lot of transition that made it really hard. But those last, like the last year and a half where I was like a manager is where I learned the most, right? So I think being at a big four, it's hard. It's not like an easy path by any means, but I, in retrospect, I'm really glad I got the manager experience because that experience I think has really helped me be successful in financial planning because I launched my own firm and how I approached launching my firm. A lot of that was leveraged from what I learned and what I needed to do as a manager at PwC. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Sounds like you definitely had a great, you know, development opportunity there for a long time. That's good. I am curious. So how does someone go from being a tax professional in state and local tax <laughs> to, to a financial planner? <laughs> well, walk us forward there because I haven't seen that before. <laughs> yeah. So I think when I was about like four years in, when I started in PwC, you know, I was like in my 20s, young, like little naive. And I was like, I want to stay here forever, become partner. And then four years in, I was like, I don't think I could do this forever. Right. So like, I knew like becoming partner wasn't like my goal anymore. And so with the big four, like if you're not going to pursue that route, then it doesn't necessarily make sense to stay there long term. So what are your options? Right. So one of the options is you go to industry. So I did have a job offer from one of my clients because their tax manager left and they called me up and, you know, the big four, their PwC is always happy when their own goes over to one of their clients, right? So, you know, they called and said, do you want to come work here? And by that point, I wasn't ready for industry. And the reason why is because I'm a people person. So the part of the appeal of working at PwC was that I liked that I got to interact with not only like my colleagues at work, but also like a, a lot of different clients. And I got to meet new people all the time. So that was kind of part of my personality fit. I also really liked being client service focused. So I just didn't think that industry was going to be a good fit for me. So I kindly declined that offer. I was actually like, I was kind of lost for, I would say like a year. I just like, was like, I don't know what to do. Right. Like I'm like, at that time I was, I got recently gotten married and I was telling my husband who's a physician, I'm like, I don't think I can do this forever. And I was like, but I don't know what to do next. And I really didn't want to just like completely transition out of tax where I would never use my tax knowledge again, because I spent a lot of time developing it in terms of my education and my career. So I was like, what can I do that has where I could still use my tax background, but do something a little different, right? And I actually came across financial planning from my husband because he was getting his MBA at the time. He was kind of went a little reduced in medicine and so that he could do a part-time MBA program. And one of the classes he took was actually a financial planning class. And it was taught by a local advisor for this organization called NAPFA. And my husband had come came home that night and he's like, this is what you should do. He's like, it's perfect for you. And I was like, wait, like I was kind of confused because to me, financial planning had always been, you know, I always assumed it was like money management. It was only for like really wealthy, affluent people. And he's like, no, like it's like for everyone and you should talk to this advisor. Like he seems great. So 
I actually did do that. I talked to Sid Blum is his name and he passed away a few years ago, but he also was a, a CPA. <laughs> so he actually started in accounting as well. And then he transitioned to financial planning and started his own firm. So I, I did kind of a similar route. So I had talked to him and he told me everything about it. And I said, actually, like this sounds really appealing to me and I can, and tax is a component of financial planning. And I thought like, well, I have a really heavy tax background. I mean, it's in state and local tax on the corporate side. But I think once you like understand tax and you can read like the code and understand mechanically how it works, it's not that hard to like learn the personal side, right? Like I think corporate is just a little bit tougher than personal anyway. So I had to kind of relearn all the personal rules in a little bit more detail, but it didn't take me that long to do. So at that point, I went reduced to FPWC. I went to 90% because I decided to do like a CFP, a certified financial planning certificate program at Northwestern. And I did an accelerated one. So it was Friday and Saturday once a month. So that's why I went 90% so I could take Fridays off. And at the time I told my director, because he kind of knew, I was like, I'm going to explore this and let and see how it goes. Because I figured the best way for me to see if it's of interest is to kind of do the coursework. And if the topics are appealing to me, then maybe I'll kind of go ahead and leverage and or go ahead and make that switch. So after I did finish the coursework, I decided like, okay, I'm going to try. I'm going to try to pursue kind of financial planning and see what happens. So while I was studying for the CF, by that point, I quit PwC. So I put in my notice December 2012. And I was going to sit for the CFP exam in March of 2013. Is that right? Yeah, that seems right. Okay. And I also have like a four-year-old. So like my brain sometimes doesn't work the way I, I it did pre-baby. So while I was studying for the CFP exam, I actually interned with the firm with that same advisor that, you know, I originally learned about financial planning. And so I was kind of doing that to get a little bit feel for it. And then I was also, you know, interviewing for jobs. So I did end up getting an offer with a large firm in Chicago. And it was like exciting to have a job offer, but it was also, it was a little sad for me at the same time. And it, it was because like my starting salary at that firm was lower than my starting salary at PwC like seven years earlier. So it was a little humbling to realize that I am really going to start all over again from the bottom, right? And I was like in my late 20s at the time. So I'm like, at the time I was like, oh my gosh, I cannot believe I have to start over. But like in retrospect, I was still pretty young. So it was fine to do that. And so, yeah, I, I was at the large registered investment advisor, the firm for about a year and a half. And that firm was much more what I thought financial planning was like in terms of it being the client base was like usually they were mainly like retirees, pre-retirees. They were, you know, high net worth because the minimum asset requirement at that firm was 5 million, but the average was more like 20 million. And so it was a lot more investment focused and investment management focused versus planning focused. So they really liked me. Like one of the, you know, I worked across two teams and on one of the teams, the partner told me, he's like, I'd like to like groom you to become VP because the current VP, she will want to retire in the near future. So I was like, okay, great. But once I got in there, I realized that I'm, I just didn't, the client base was one that I just didn't click with, right? I didn't have anything in common with like pre-retirees who have 20 million plus of assets. I just like didn't. And so I kind of realized quickly that if I wanted to make a career, like that wasn't going to be the place to do so because I just 
couldn't see a channel where I would be successful in terms of attracting that type of clientele. And maybe I could do it, but I just, my heart wasn't in it. And I literally gave up a lucrative career to transition to financial planning. I didn't want to waste any more time, right? I think that's always like nice when it's a second career is like, you don't feel compelled to stay somewhere for a really long time if it's not a fit, right? You just like realize and then kind of move on to the next step. So at that point, I realized I wanted to serve people in my age group, you know, like young professionals who are accumulating wealth, but maybe they just don't have that asset minimum requirement yet. Because like, if they do have that much saved, it's usually in a employer 401k plan that cannot be directly managed, or they're saving money for a home down payment, etc. And so I was still in Chicago at the time. And I started interviewing like I was aggressively interviewing at like every firm I could find that had an opening. And I could not find a single firm that was serving people in my age group that didn't have an asset minimum requirement. And the lowest minimum I could find was 250000 So I was, again, once again, like lost and torn. And I'm like, I don't know where to work because I didn't, I didn't want to go to another firm and then spend another like few years and realize once again that it wasn't a fit. So that's around the time that this group called XY Planning Network was emerging. And it was founded by uh, Alan Moore, who's another financial advisor, and Michael Kitsis, who's kind of like the guru in financial planning. And they started the organization to help younger advisors start their own firms. So I kind of came across one of Michael's blogs and they talked about XY Planning Network. So they're like, sign up for like a webinar to learn more. So I, I signed up for the webinar and I actually couldn't make the webinar because I had like a conflict with work. And so then Alan actually emailed me directly. And he's like, I saw you missed the webinar. Do you want to chat? So I said, okay, let's, let's connect. And I talked to him and he's like, you have to launch your own firm. And I was like, are you sure? I don't know. Cause I'm a pretty conservative person, right? I kind of like to take like the, not the easier path, but something where I have a little bit more insight as to what will happen in the future. Cause I'm also a little bit, I like to have control. It's my personality type. I'm very type A. So, you know, if I start with a firm and grow into the firm, like that's like a clear career path. So starting my own firm was very scary to me, very daunting, because I'm like, what if I don't get any clients? What's going to happen? It's like, I have to shut it down. And so Alan was like, he's like, I'm, he's like, I'm talking to people all the time who want to start their own firms. And he's like, and most of them don't have the background and experience you have. He's like, you will, you will have a firm that will be successful. He's like, don't, you should just do it. He's like, what's the harm in trying? And so I was like, I don't know about that. But but it was interesting to me, right? Because it kind of itched the thing I had when I was a child where I kind of wanted my own business. It was something that I've always like envisioned for myself. So he had me talk to another advisor who had, she had started her own firm. Her firm's a little older than mine because she started a few years before I launched my firm. And she was like, just do it. And I was like, okay. So I went home and talked to my husband because anyone who starts a business and it is in a relationship, it's very much a family affair because <laughs> you have to get the other person's buy-in, right? And my husband is kind of the opposite of me, right? He's much more comfortable with risk and he was the one who actually pushed me to do it. He said, no, just do it. He's like, he's like, we're young. We don't have kids because at the time we didn't have any kids. He's like, cash flow wise, we'll be okay because I'm working and, you know, we were still in Chicago and so we had pretty reasonable expenses. And he's like, he's like, why not do it now? And the interesting thing that the other advisor, her name's Sophia Berra, what she had told me was that she's like, 
She's like, even if your firm, you launch your firm and it fails, she's like, you will get so many better job opportunities because the fact you tried. She's like, so that's another reason to just do it. And that's actually absolutely true. I got so many amazing job offers after I was kind of a year or two into my firm that those were the types of job offers I was looking for, but it wasn't going to be an opportunity. It's more that you become much more appealing when you try to, you know, you kind of push yourself outside the box and are doing something unique and, and different. So that's when I decided to, you know, launch my own firm. So I actually put in my notice at the firm I was working at. And I actually ended up getting a part-time accounting job again at like a mid-tier accounting firm just because I was nervous to take the plunge completely. <laughs> so I, I was, I know, I'm an accountant, so I'm going to hedge my bets wherever I can. So I worked for like a mid-tier firm. I wasn't going to go back to like um, a big force or something mid-tier, right? It was part-time. 20 hours a week. And I did that for about eight months while I was getting everything kind of ready for my firm. So kind of get everything because registration with the state takes a while as well. So I did that for eight months and then got to a point after I got a first, like a few clients that I needed to probably commit 100% of my time to my firm. Otherwise, it wouldn't kind of take off the way I would like it to take off or that kind of having it grow would take a lot longer if I wasn't dedicating like 100% of my time to it. Okay. Well, tell us what Fit Advisors looks like now. Yeah. So let's see. So I just had my five-year anniversary this month for Fit Advisors, which is, I kind of forgot that I had it just because we're in pandemic. So there's a lot of other stuff that's uh, taking up my time. But so I work with 40 client households. Right now, I have a client service associate who works with me about 35 hours a week. And my average client age is about 39. So I work with those young professionals who are kind of probably five to 10 years into their career. My client base is predominantly physicians. And a lot of my physicians are, you know, independent contractors. So those who need a little bit more tax help in terms of S-corp election, tax planning, et cetera. And then I work with a lot of small business owners as well. And those small business owners are the type where they're not startups. So they're kind of, they've seen a lot of growth. They're, you know, anywhere from five to 10 years in, and they're kind of looking to make that transition from kind of like startup to full-fledged business. So because of my PwC background, right, I'm very comfortable with reviewing financials and taxes, et cetera. That's been a really good niche for me because I kind of call myself the advisor that can kind of bridge the gap between your personal and your business financials. Because for a lot of small business owners, um, me included, like your personal finances are very tied to how the business does, right? So if you have an advisor who can help look at both sides of it, you know, I think like the clients appreciate that because their advisor has a really good understanding of both pieces and how they kind of mesh together. Okay. Okay. How focused is your practice on strictly physicians? I mean, you said small business owners too. And honestly, when we were getting on the phone, I was thinking physicians. So you've done a good job of forming a niche. (laughs) You know, it looks like from the outside at least. (laughs) Yeah, it's funny. And when I started, there was only like a handful of firms kind of starting their own financial planning firm. And there is definitely a lot more now. So if you as a consumer are looking for like an advisor to work with and you have a specific need, a specific career, et cetera, there's an advisor out there for you. And I niched pretty early and it's because financial planning, you're much more of a generalist. And I'm not used to being a generalist, right? I was at PwC doing SALT, specifically in the income tax group. So you get really, really good at a really, really small niche 
focus. So being a generalist is just was too hard. It was really overwhelming for me. So I was like, how can I become much more specific so that I can learn everything about that one kind of tiny group of people because I will feel much more comfortable. And then that's kind of the service I can offer. So that's why I started with physicians and my practice is still primarily physician focused. And it's because my client, if someone asked me, what's your client avatar? And I'm like, it's me and my husband, right? It's kind of like dual income working professionals with a young family. One or both people are a physician. Um, there's like people who are small business owners, et cetera. So I kind of leverage that. And I think it's helpful because if I work with a physician, like I'm married to one. So I like, I understand the lingo and what they're going through and what that household looks like. And at the end of the day, like people usually pick an advisor who they feel like they clicked with. Technical expertise, all of that is important, but people end up picking who they like, right? If, so if they, if someone feels like they like you and you understand them and their needs, that's what makes for a good relationship with in terms of financial planning, because it is a very personal relationship. So I have always been physician focused. And when I started, it was really great because I would kind of advertise on a few of the big physician focused blogs. And I would get a lot of lead flow from that, which was great. And then all of a sudden, those channels became flooded with a bunch of other advisors who were also specializing in physicians. So now what used to be unique became more of a commodity. So that's when about three years into my firm, a lot of my channels had dried up. That was when I was really looking for growth, right? I wanted to grow the practice. And I was like, I don't know what to do now because what I used to rely on is not really working. And one of my good friends who's an advisor and, you know, she's like a marketing genius. She's like, the problem is, is you're running, relying on other people's marketing channels and you have to create your own. That was hard for me because I was already feeling like I was too busy. By that time, my daughter was about two years old. So I'm, I'm trying to like run a practice, grow a practice. I also have like a little child at home. So there's just so much on my plate that I was like, I can't imagine like now having to add like marketing on top of my plate. And that's kind of one of my regrets is that I wish I had done marketing early. Like I wish I started it right at the beginning when I had more time. Because <laughs> by the time I was three years in, I was already probably at 30 clients. And so I was pretty full with just like client obligations. But I decided like I needed to do that. So that's when I started Money Checkup Podcast. I think we're a little over a year now on the podcast. I started writing a blog on my site. Um, it used to be like one post every other week. Now we're up to two posts one week. And then the following week is podcast and blog. So we're pushing out much more content. I hired a full-blown marketing team to help me with that, manage all my social media, et cetera. And then that helped a lot in terms of starting to get the flow back in of prospects. And when I decided to kind of put all the marketing in, I decided at that point I was going to niche even more. So like I'm going to super niche at that point. And so I was like, I'm now going to be the advisor who works with physicians who have more complex tax needs. So the independent contractors, practice owners, and partners of their medical groups, right? Because that was my differentiator from the beginning is that I can provide that tax planning side of things, working alongside with the CPA, of course, because I'm not doing the actual tax prep in my firm. But that was something that was thought out, right? And there's not that many advisors who are like CPA, CFPs. I decided at that point I was going to become much more focused on this specific group within the physician space. And then what happened, because I put out a lot of content that's tax-related or small business planning related, I started to get more small business clients and realized that that was also like a niche I really enjoyed serving. So I definitely like specific on the type of small business owner. I'm 
going to take in terms of where they are in their firm and kind of where they are personally to make sure it's a good fit. But that's where I, about a year ago, I started to really focus on small business owners as well. So yeah, that's Fit Advisors today. I'm actually no longer focused on growth. I feel like I my plate is pretty full. So I'm only looking to take on maybe two to three clients a year at this point. If I don't get any more, I'm okay with that as well. So it's nice to kind of not worry about that aspect of it anymore because the best point in kind of my firm trajectory was when I finally was making enough like net income that I could provide back to our household, right? Where our kind of cash flow issue, which we've, we kind of have had a cash flow issue since I've started the firm, kind of went away. And that, that happened in, I would say, like year four, where like I wasn't worried about income to our household because now we were finally meeting all of our obligations, right? We, we kind of took a step back from retirement plan contributions just to make the numbers work. So it was really nice to like fully fund everything in that given year and not worry about that anymore. But as a small business owner, it's not like my obligations go away. So there's always stuff that I can be doing, whether it's in the business or on the business. So it's just what I focus on now has shifted a bit. Okay. I love how everything fits together in your story. You know, you were pre-med, you had an interest in business, become an accountant, become a CPA, get the tax background, you marry a doctor, and you know, then you go into financial <laughs> planning, you call your podcast money checkup, your firm is fit advisors. I mean, it just, you're doing a great job of building a niche. I, I'm very impressed. Very, very, Thank very you. impressed. <laughs> Great. There's a lot of blood, sweat, and tears that go into it, but <laughs> I'm happy where it's at. And I got to where I am a lot quicker than other advisors were doing similar things. And I think it's because I reassess my business every six months in terms of like, what am I doing? Am I getting to where I want to be? I think that's PwC hat that comes back on, right? It's someone told me you, you can take the girl out of PwC, but you can't take PwC out of the girl. And it's like absolutely true, right? So, you know, there's just certain things that like I just fall back to like when I was at PwC, like, okay, the business is not doing as good as I wanted to do. So like, what is the problem? Let's fix it, right? What do I need to do? And then make up my list of all the things I'm going to do for it. And then I just like implement and get it done. So I think that's been very helpful. And I think a lot of that's why I I had said earlier that a lot of my, I think, success is, is due to the fact of the things that I learned that PwC taught me, especially at like that manager level when I was there. Yes. Yeah. Organization and discipline for sure. Right, right. (laughs) Well, I told you we'd be getting off in about an hour, and I want to be respectful of of your schedule. I do have three questions that I end every podcast with, so I probably better get to those because I don't want to miss any meat (laughs) in those as well. (laughs) The first one's usually the easier question for our guest. From a career perspective, what's been your proudest moment? Yeah, so I think it's what I just mentioned. The proudest moment was when my worry about my personal finances went away because my business was generating enough to take care of kind of the need that we had on the personal side. Hmm. Yeah, that is a nice feeling, particularly after a lot of blood, sweat, and tears as you Yeah, <laughs> I mean, we honestly, we didn't, we didn't take a vacation for like three years because I was like, I don't think we can afford to take vacation, right? We also moved from 
Chicago to Los Angeles, which is, you know, Chicago is like high cost of living, but LA is like really high cost of living. So we just, you know, a lot of things changed all at once. I had a baby, like, so there was just a lot. So once the financial stress went away, I mean, I, that was such a relief. And that was when I finally felt like I'm like fit advisors is here to stay. Like it's no longer going to, it's no longer a startup, no longer going to go away. Even if I lose clients here or there, the business will still be around. Right. So that was a great feeling. By the way, I'm glad you brought up the struggle because I do think for some accountants, particularly earlier in their career, when they you know see the opportunities in financial planning, sometimes some people underestimate how much work it is to build up clientele. And so it, thank you. Thank, that's a really important insight <laughs> for you to pass on. <laughs> well, second question, tell us about a lesson that you learned the hard way. And the more you can tell yeah. us the situation, the better, because that's how we learned. So for me, I think kind of one of my biggest regrets is that I wish I took longer maternity leave. And when, so when I launched FIT, you know, I mentioned I didn't have kids at the time. And then six months later, I found out I was pregnant. So ever since I've had FIT, I've been either pregnant or the mom of a small child. And so by the time I had my daughter, I was, I think, it was two years old and I decided I would take one month off. And that was, I, in retrospect, I wish I took more time off because I was a new mom. So I, I also didn't know what to expect. But I was like, oh, one month should be fine. My husband took three months off. So he'll be there. And I was just like totally wiped out. It's, you know, you know, just anyone who's had a baby knows it's, it's all encompassing. And in a month, you're just not ready yet. And I actually had postpartum depression and my post postpartum lasted significantly longer than it should have. And I think part of that was because I just didn't give myself enough time to rest. And I think that's kind of always been one of my regrets is that I don't take enough time to take a step back and like practice self-care. And it always impacts me later. And, you know, by that point, it's already like, I wish you just didn't get to this point, right? I wish I just like recognized earlier that I'm getting burnt out and I need to do something about it so it doesn't get worse. And I'm much better about it now, but I did feel like I lost out on kind of like the first two years of my daughter's life because I just, I just wasn't there the way I am now. And because of that, though, I have made a lot of adjustments in how I manage my firm and keeping that flexibility so that I can be there for my daughter now, but that's kind of one of my biggest regrets that I have. Thank you. Thank you. I was going to ask you about work-life balance earlier, but I (laughs) I knew we were running out of time. So I'm glad you brought that up. Thank you. Well, last Mm -hmm. question, and then we will go ahead and close it down. What's the best piece of advice that you have ever received? So I would say the best piece of advice is um, to not be afraid to step outside of the box, right? So, you know, especially for like, if you have younger listeners on this podcast who are just starting their career, like when you're kind of thinking about your career in accounting, like try not to limit yourself, right? Because, you know, I have always kind of limited myself in terms of career practice until I kind of transitioned to financial planning. But there's just, there's so many opportunities out there. And just having that accounting background, I think is so helpful and you can leverage it in so many different ways. So, uh, you know, I wish I thought more outside of the box. I'm glad I did it eventually, but I am always like, I wish I did it sooner. But I think I needed that experience at PwC to kind of transition me to the next phase of my career. 
But, you know, it's really that, like step outside the box and take more risks, especially when you're younger, because it's very easy to bounce back from something that doesn't work out when you're younger. It's much harder to, and, and this is from personal experience, I think it's much harder to take those risks when you just have more obligations on your plate, whether it's like mortgage, children, et cetera. Not that you can't do it, but you just have much more factors that might delay your ability to do that versus when you're younger and you don't have those same sets of obligations and responsibilities. Yeah, that's really a great time to kind of put yourself out there and see like what else is out there that you may want to do that's different than what everyone else is doing. Beautiful. Beautiful. Well, if someone wants to find out more about your company, Fit Advisors, or your podcast, Money Checkup, I guess where's the best place to point them online? Where would you want someone to go? Sure. So um, you can go to my website. It's fitadvisors.com, advisors with an O. And that will have information about me and my blog is on there and also my podcast. You can find my podcast, Money Checkup, on you know, any podcast tool that you use as well. But if you can't find it, you know, go to the website and you'll be able to get the link from there. Beautiful. Thank you so much. Well, this has been really fun. You're a very cheerful person to interview. I really appreciate that. <laughs> no worries. I really like what I do, so that helps a lot. But no, this was fun. I, I'm glad I could kind of share my story and if that helped get some of the, the listeners to kind of think outside the box, I think that's great. Beautiful. Well, thanks for taking the time. Well, that was our interview with Anjali Jarawala. And I don't know about you, but you could just hear the the joy in her voice. Doesn't she sound happy and, and upbeat? I love it when our guests have that joy in their voice. It's just, it's very fun to conduct the interview. And I personally get a lot of pleasure out of, of speaking with people that are truly happy in what they're doing. I really appreciate that she made time for this interview. I enjoyed recording it, and I hope you enjoyed listening to it as well. If you did find value in this episode for yourself, please make sure and leave us in a rating on your podcast app as well, if you don't mind. I know at the beginning of this show, I ask about social media, and I love that too. Either one, whatever you can make time for, we really would appreciate it because it does help other people find us. And if you're looking for a publication that may help you in your own career, we have a few books out there on Amazon. One of them that's particularly useful, I think, during this time that we're going through in the economy is 49 Tips for Working with a Headhunter. It's a very short book, about 100 to 120 pages, but it gives you tips and insights on how that industry works and how you can make it work for you. Once again, it's 49 Tips for Working with a Headhunter. Well, thank you again for joining us. I'm Mark Goldman, your host for Where Accountants Go, the Accounting Careers Podcast. We'll see you all next week. There's more to come.